When was the last time you got a full night's rest? N not just sleep, but restful sleep. And if you did, how easy was happiness? Hey, it's Wei, and this is the podcast about a man, his dog, and their musings around happiness. And here's your host, me, Wei. Hey, it's Wei, and welcome to the Hey, It's Wei podcast, Unlocking Happiness. And I was thinking about what I just said to open up this particular episode, and did that even make sense? How easy was happiness? <laughs> and I think what I meant to say was, how easy was happiness or states of happiness or achieving states of happiness the day after you got restful sleep? Like the kind of sleep where you wake up and you're like, Oh my God, I feel so rested. I hear less and less of that these days because of the advent of technology and the demands of the world. And of course, this being year 2020, everything that everybody's going through, you can't help sometimes but to cloud the mind with so many different thoughts that we don't resolve during the day. And the unconscious mind that doesn't actually go to sleep starts resolving at night, which then impacts the restless the restfulness of your sleep. But this episode is called Sleeping to Happiness. And I guess one way to interpret that title is to think, oh, is there a way that you can sleep yourself to happiness? Now, one could interpret that in many different ways. But what I mean by sleeping to happiness is literally sleeping, like resting, like going into your bed and shutting your eyes for the evening. Okay. This episode was actually inspired by one of my clients that actually almost pulled an all-nighter uh, because of things that they had to do, work. And they ended up maybe clocking in about 1.5 hours of sleep was what he said. I was like, oh, that's interesting. What did that do for your happiness? He goes, on a scale of 1 to 10, how was your happiness the next day? And he goes, zero. I was like, oh. Okay, so what did you learn about that? And I find it fascinating because I myself conducted an experiment around sleeping and its correlation to happiness or states of happiness. And I did this experiment in the past, many, many years ago. I'm not sure why I did it because I'm maybe I'm a glutton for punishment. But, you know, my sister used to ask me all the time why I would guinea pig on myself certain things that would potentially result in me having some undesirable results, both physiologically and maybe even mentally. And it's because I'm just curious. <laughs> so I did a sleep experiment in my past as it correlates to happiness and productivity. And I, I was exploring to understand just what is that sweet spot? It's like it's it's like I read all the studies about the optimal amount of hours, what they say is seven to eight hours for human beings to have, you know, an optimal amount of sleep. But I, I didn't want to believe that. I wanted to challenge that to see, well, why can't I sleep more? Because I remember, especially when I was in college, I loved sleeping in. I loved sleeping all day. And I was able to do that. Now, granted, I was also very active. I exercised a lot and I played a lot of sports. And so that, of course, contributed to the body saying, hey, you need some rest you need to heal. But what I did with this experiment is I, over a series of evenings, and this took a while because I didn't do it every night. I didn't do it sequentially, but 
I observed the differences in when I slept a lot more than seven to eight hours to all the way down to not sleeping at all and pulling an all-nighter. So I don't know if I could do that today. I'm finding now as I have gotten older and I've aligned myself with a circadian cycle of existence, which is waking up when the sun comes up and going to sleep as soon as possible after the sun goes down. Well, within the next two, three hours. Of course, am I always consistently doing that? No, because I have things to do and I get caught up in a lot of things like recording podcasts, <laughs> for example. But anyway, so in this experiment, what I did was I broke it down. I slept for 12 plus hours one night and I observed what happened the next day. I slept for 10 hours and then I slept for seven to eight hours around that bracket and then four to six hours, then one to three hours and zero hours. And, it was, and what I found was something really interesting. Let's start with the 12 plus hours. When I slept for 12 plus hours, I thought for sure I would wake up jazzed, energized, and just so much energy I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Never mind the fact that I already have a ton of energy with or without sleep. Now let's add 12 plus more hours to it. Well, the reality is that that didn't happen. The longer I stayed in bed, the harder it was for me to actually get up. And when I finally did get up, the best way to describe how I navigated the day that day was like a zombie. I wasn't happy or I wasn't even unhappy. I was just this neutral zombie that was just kind of like flitting around, moving around like a zombie would. I wasn't very, I wasn't particularly fast or active. I wasn't necessarily slow either. I was just zoned out. And though I made it through the day and I got the things done that I wanted to get done, there was just not a lot of motivation, not a push. It was just zombied out. And I've done a couple of those, and it's pretty—it's been pretty consistent. Now I know results may vary. I feel like I'm a commercial, right? <laughs> results may vary depending on the individual, uh, but for me, it had been pretty consistent. I can't even imagine sleeping 12 hours now. I just—I just wouldn't—I just couldn't make it. So the next block of time was for 10 hours. Okay, so before the 12-hour mark, at the 10-hour mark, I got up. I was—I was. I was pretty productive and relatively happy. So I thought, hmm, okay, well, so what for those seven to eight hours people, right? You know, the 10 hours actually was not bad. You know, I wasn't a zombie. I was pretty normal and it was there, relatively happy. Now, I did it a couple times as well. And there was a couple times, I got to say, I got to admit that the 10 hour mark did have me waking up a little groggy even then before the 12 hour mark. But that was the 10 hour mark. So when I then went to the optimal frame, I was refusing to prove the studies to be true. So I fought it, <laughs> pretended. But consistently across the board, when I was sleeping for seven to eight hours and getting good, solid, restful sleep, which is the result of having a good sleep routine prior to sleeping and after waking up, I had optimal it was actually pretty optimal for increased probability for states of happiness. And I say that because it's not like you sleep seven to eight hours and all of a sudden you're constantly in the state of happiness. What it did was it, it, I felt like it increased the probability for me making a choice for choosing states of happiness based on the circumstances that were presented to me that day. So what I would like to say for the seven to eight hour mark, it created an optimal state of increased probability for the choices we make towards 
achieving states of happiness or increasing states of happiness. Okay, so that's a seven to eight hour mark. But now how about the four to six hours? Okay, well, happiness was still there, kind of like the seven to eight, actually. No, not as much like the 10 or 12 hours, but more like the seven to eight before the four to six hours. But it was not as frequent, you know, and, and I didn't feel like I had an easy time to make those types of choices. I still may, was able to make them, but they were just not as frequent as had I slept for seven to eight hours. And then now to one to three hours, what the best way to describe those days when I only had one to three hours of sleep was that happiness actually took work. I actually had to work towards it. It wasn't like I couldn't achieve it, but it, it really required effort. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't like feigned happiness, but when the effort, it paid off, it's like, oh, it paid off. But, but wow, by the end of the day, I just completely crashed. Okay, for those days that I, my intention was to have more states of happiness or achieve states of happiness due to one to three hours of sleep, it took work and I was exhausted by the end of the day. And I don't even think I need to talk about pulling on the all-nighter, but let's just put it this way. Pulling all-nighters just introduced chaos and delirium. I mean, who knows what was going to show up? And that was kind of the case. Every time, I didn't do it often because it was not fun uh, to pull all-nighters just for an experiment on myself. That was not a clinical trial or anything like that. I wasn't getting paid to do this. And so the couple times that I did it, and it, I, I, there was no way to describe it except for chaos and delirium because you, it's like, it's like it was like the Forrest Gump of, you know, happiness and no sleep is like the box of chocolates. You you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> and that's really what happens when you pull an all-nighter. So if you think that you can pull all-nighter and just be reliant on how you're going to show up the next day, well, happy hunting. Okay. So the reason why I wanted to share this is so that Maybe if you were to take the medical studies that they have out there already, the medical journals are just observing the ideal optimal amount of hours that one should sleep. And what I did as well as my own personal experiment as the reason so that you don't have to experiment yourself. Or maybe you are like me and you say, you know what? I don't care what Wei says. I don't care what these medical say. I want to, I want to, I want to see for a I want to experience it myself to find my little happy sweet spot. And it's interesting because when I look at this and if I had graphed it out, it was almost like a bell curve, right? Here, I mean, here I am getting more engineering again, getting all scientific. Like if you sleep too many hours, it's down here. And if you don't sleep enough hours, it's down here. And then like, there's like that peak, right? That, that bell curve, which is like that parabolic arc, that upside down arc, where at the very top is the seven to eight hours. That's like where you, that's your sweet spot, right? It's like hitting the sweet spot of the, um, the tennis racket when you play tennis, if you play tennis, right? Now, the question then comes up is, well, how do I make sure I get restful sleep? You know, contrary to popular belief is like just going to bed and closing your eyes and turning out the light doesn't always guarantee restful sleep because we don't, go into bed and turn into a pumpkin or become inanimate, we are still living. We're still breathing. We're still processing things. The unconscious mind actually doesn't go to sleep. So how do we make sure that the unconscious mind helps us get more restful sleep so that we can sleep to happiness? We can get more happy. God, this grammar is terrible. So there are what we call happiness sleep routines depending on how every human being is uniquely designed. Yes, not everybody responds well to the same sleep routine. 
to optimize happiness. And what I mean by routine is a routine that you take before you finally close your eyes or before going to bed. Me personally, because I'm a little bit more on the uh, instinctive side, if you will, meditation is great. Breath work, you know, uh, lighting an incense, playing some music for me to kind of harmonize everything that's underneath there. There are those who are more inclined to move and light exercise before going to bed. Now, for those of you who don't have that dialed in, you'll say, oh my gosh, if I exercise before going to bed, I'd be all jazzed up and wired. I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, and that probably is the case. Then that's not the sleep routine for you. But there are those who literally sleep better when they do a little bit of exercise before going to bed. Now, those intellectual bookworms out there, actually reading before going to bed depending on what you read, of course, so choose wisely, <laughs> is a good part of, of a routine to help optimize restful sleep. And then there are those also who are a little bit more emotional. Intimacy, if you have a significant other that you share a bed with, intimacy is a fantastic routine to create restful sleep, provided you two are on good terms. <laughs> okay, And what we're talking about is not makeup intimacy, but just like intimacy in general. Okay, So those are just examples. The key is to find your own routine so that you can consistently master what it takes to have restful sleep so that you could sleep towards creating greater states of happiness. The goal, really, to have a routine prior to going to sleep is to do a reset for the next day, to clear the mind or clear the system of you of all that you've accumulated from that day. It's not like you could do anything about it when you're lying in bed anyway, so you might as well have a routine to let it all go, leave it outside the bedroom, so that when you wake up the next day, you can go pick it up then. So find that. Find that routine to give yourself restful sleep, optimize the amount of hours, and prioritize that, and you will find not only will your productivity go up, but you'll have an easier time to increase the probability of those states of happiness that you achieve every single day. Hmm. So, that's it for this episode. If you got some good nuggets of sleeping, happiness-inducing inspiration, remember to subscribe and share this podcast to everyone whose restful sleep and happiness you care about. Feel free to follow me on any of the usual social media channels. And until then, just remember, when in doubt, get plenty of rest and choose happiness. <laughs>